0: This was about as bizarre and as easy
1: as it gets. So the number for me was a number that would allow me to never have to work. I feel like we got top, top, top. I went from a sale of you know five hundred thousand dollars to in debt. One hundred ninety-two million dollars. This is Built to Sell Radio with your host John Warlow. Hey guys, this is John Warlow. This episode of Built to Sell Radio is brought to you by the Value Builder Score. If you haven't got your score yet, I'd encourage you to take 13 minutes and complete the questionnaire you'll find at valuebuilder.com. It'll give you your score on the eight key drivers of company value. You're going to learn some different things about what drives the value of your business. You'll be able to see how you performed on these eight unique factors. Go to valuebuilder.com. So my next guest is Burt Martinez. He took a company, Accelerator, built it up to about a million two in revenue and then sold it. And... I think Burt does a great job of articulating one of the biggest conundrums that we all face as entrepreneurs, and that is how much are we going to push back in the negotiation process to maximize the value of our business? At what point does the offer look attractive enough uh, that you are willing to accept it, even though it might not be the very top-dollar you can get are you willing to continue to gamble that the offer goes away by pushing back or do you want to accept it knowing that the potential buyer could walk at any time In know in bert's own words he says he chickened out at some point and did accept an offer that he thought was a little lower than his company was worth here to tell you the story is bert martinez Bert Martinez. Welcome to Built to Sell Radio.
0: John, it's awesome to be here. I'm excited.
1: So tell me about this company, Accelerator. What did you guys do?
0: Accelerator was a supplement company. Specifically, we were in the area of weight loss, energy, and and uh, this is in the United States. And and for a while there, a Fedra uh, was banned in the United States, and then it, the ban was lifted. And that, to me, sparked um, The idea of of starting a supplement company using ephedra, and and that's what Accelerator was all about.
1: Now I don't know ephedra. I mean I've heard of it, but I don't know anything about it. Is that like a generic chemical compound that is marketed under different brands?
0: Ephedra is the uh, actual name, and you know, and so it was. Uh, we call it uh, one of those products that was really. Uh, Uh, efficient, and very successful in losing weight. But what would happen, and this happens, John, with a lot of people in the supplement industry, is they'll, you have somebody who's out of shape, out of weight, they'll take ephedra, which is already causing their heart rate to jump up, their metabolism to soar, and then they jump on a tread machine, a treadmill, and and all of a sudden they're just, uh, what do you call it, shooting that heart rate up, and then they would have, they would get sick. They would sometimes, you know, they would faint, or or they would have some adverse effects, and that's why eventually, a fentanyl was pulled off the market because people were misusing it.
1: But for but but you had uh, this kind of window where it was legal, and yes. and you were you you were uh, selling. Now, how did you sell it? Uh, what was the the go to market? You know, as marketers say, the go to market strategy. Well,
0: here's how we started. First of all, I started on eBay. And this is, uh, kind of my foray into online marketing or online sales. And so I started on eBay. I started right there and, and we were doing $800 a day on eBay almost immediately. And then it got to the point where it was, uh, you know, uh, $1,500 and a couple thousand dollars every day. And we almost couldn't keep up with demand. And so at that point, uh, I start. I launched a full-fledged, full-blown uh, online uh, presence, and we were just going gangbusters. So uh, the, the the sales on eBay motivated me to go completely
1: online. And so you had an online store where people would buy the supplement. Were they buying it on a one-off basis? Did they buy it on subscription? I mean, what was the, how did they buy?
0: Yes, I would, uh, obviously I wanted to do an auto ship, and if they didn't want to do the auto ship, there was you know buy it one one off, buy it, buy it in threes, buy it in six. You know any way that the customer wanted to do it, we wanted we wanted to have it available for them. So they could have bought it in 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 just about any quantity in in uh, that they wanted.
1: What were the margins like in the ephedra business?
0: Well, the one of the things I love about the supplement business is that the margins are are fairly big. I, we were experiencing a sixty uh, percent uh, profit fifty percent uh, in some cases. I would say our average profit was uh, uh, gross profit was in the in the fifty percent uh, rate there. but fifty percent yeah, net, uh, gross profits. it was wonderful.
1: Got it. And so that's that's the the. Uh, the profit that is left over after you pay for the hard costs of the, the compound uh, that doesn't take into consideration the marketing costs and so forth. Is that right? Correct. Got it. Okay. Got it. Got it. So, I mean, how big did you get this thing before you decided to sell it? What would you tell me like how, how much revenue did you have or wh- whatever mechanism you used for, for size?
0: So we got to the point where we were doing uh, Fifty thousand dollars, sixty thousand dollars, very regularly. And I, and, and when we finally got to the point where we sold it, we were hitting, uh, we were hitting hundred thousand, a hundred and twenty thousand dollars a month. And it, it was, uh, it, it it was like I said, it was, it was uh, one of those things that where it was good because I had hit a home run. But then it was kind of bad in the sense that I thought, well, man, this this online stuff is so easy. I'll, I'll do it again.
1: And then what? Did you launch <laughs> another product?
0: Uh, well, it, and so after I sold Accelerator, I I launched another product, and it didn't do so well.
1: Got it. Okay. Well, we'll get to, get to that in a moment. But let me get into yeah. Accelerator. So, I mean, why like? obvious question that, that I'm sure you had to answer, but why on earth would you want to sell it? You had, it, you know, five and six figure months, uh, all, all online fat margins. What was, what triggered you to want to sell?
0: The number one reason I wanted to sell it is because Ephedra again was going through, um, a Senate hearing and they were thinking about banding it again, banning it again. And so I thought, you know what, I've had a really nice ride. And I just have, I, at that point, my vision wasn't to build a, a big old supplement company, right? I was just writing the, the what do you call it, the, the Ephedra success story. And that's, to me, all the only vision I saw at that time. And so uh, we, were, we were doing really well. And I thought, if I'm going to sell this thing, now's the time to do it. So that was kind of my motivation. Ephedra may be banned. We're doing good. Let's get out on top.
1: Got it. So I got to get underneath. How, who, like, What was the next step here? Because clearly the fact that a was going through the Senate hearing was not uh, confidential information. I'm assuming that other people knew that. So I would imagine it would severely depress the value of your company. Uh, but maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. What? How did you go find a buyer? Well,
0: what we started doing is we started contacting and this is just straight cold calling, right? And when I say cold calling, I, I really mean we contacted people via email and in some cases telephone. So it was straight uh, cold market. And we started telling people, hey, this is what we do, this is what we have. We're looking for a buyer. And we were actually, uh, when we also contacted our vendors, we contacted everybody within our our sphere of influence, if you will. And we had immediate interest from from vendors we had immediate interest from other supplement people who who knew what was going on in the industry and they they just had a different uh opinion of what was going to happen with ephedra and and so it it didn't suppress the market that much because again the 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 thinking was listen if you have a group of people who like your product you know and let's say that we take the fetera out their thinking was well we can replace fetera with something that's almost as good and we'll keep all that revenue you know we're going to lose some of the revenue but buying this company is easier than buying customers from scratch got it via marketing
1: yeah got it so that that makes sense so they were looking at these people who were kind of interested in diet products obviously you know health weight loss was was something that they had had kind of raised their hand as something that was interesting to them so when you say we were cold calling and we were killed emailing who's the we were you personally doing that did you hire a broker or an advisor of some sort
0: oh good question so i did not hire a broker which i wish i would have done that what i did is i actually had the the a couple of people in the sales organization in charge of making these contacts, and so th- these are the same people that that um, uh, what do you call it uh, were helping me um, raise awareness of Accelerator, and so I just had them start reaching out to vendors and and competitors.
1: And these were employees of Accelerator. It was, and so that's kind of weird <laughs> in the sense that these people would have would have you know stood. To risk their jobs, right? Like if you'd sold the company, they would have been out of a job, no?
0: They would have. But if the company goes down, if if I was to shut the company down, they were going to lose their job anyway. One of the things I believe in, John, is being very transparent with your people. Uh, And it's something that took me a while to get to because it is kind of scary. But I have found that if you're upfront with people and you say, listen, this is my thoughts, this is what I'm going to do. Some are going to bail out on you, but 80% 80% are going to stay with you in hopes that something else will, will materialize.
1: How did you incentivize those employees to, I mean, were they, would they have participated in the sale in some sort of commission or bonus?
0: I, I did. I, 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 I gave them um, a bonus for bringing a deal to the table. I don't remember exactly how much it was, but I think it was in the neighborhood of 50 grand. So, you know, a, a sizable bonus.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. They were, they had some skin in the game to uh, to, to to do this. So you got all of these sort of interested parties. How do people express interest, Bert? I mean, were you getting letters of intent? Was it just sort of casual? Yeah, let's have a chat. I mean, how how was that? How were you receiving those expressions of interest? Or that that you know you mentioned that it, you were getting lots of interest.
0: Right. So, so I want to say eighty percent of the interest that we receive were. Uh, yes we would like to talk more and from there we would schedule a, a telephonic meeting uh, 20% um, and maybe it might have been less than 20% maybe it's closer to 10 or 15% were where people who um uh, what do you call it uh, they criticized the way I was <laughs> they they criticized the way I was doing stuff and, and oddly enough one of those critics ended up making an appointment with us uh, and looked at buying the company and things of that nature. so so uh, we would we would reach out. Then we would set up an appointment and and prior to getting on the phone, uh, a, a non-disclosure was signed. Then we would have a telephonic meeting. Uh, and then from there, uh, it would progress to you know whatever the next step was
1: and so, how many of these sort of telephone meetings did you have and, and, and and when did it kind of culminate to offers?
0: So I want to say we had, I had five or six. It wasn't a lot. It was like, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood, five, six or seven telephonic meetings. And this is, again, people who had signed a non-disclosure, if they did, if they would not sign a non-disclosure we didn't jump on the I didn't jump on the phone with them because I knew they weren't serious. So uh, I had probably about 10 people who said, yeah, I'm interested in talking to you. Out of that 10, five or six signed non nondisclosures. Uh, I got on the phone with all of those people who signed the non-disclosures, And from that group, I had uh, offers from 50 percent of them, approximately three people.
1: Got it. I got it. OK, so you, you got these offers. I mean, what were your first reactions when you saw the offers? Uh,
0: you know what? They, they were a little low as I expected. Uh, they weren't like shockingly low. They weren't like, uh, uh, you know, anything that was, uh, uh, what do you call it? Crazy or anything like that. So the offers were in line what, in, in, as far as what I expected,
1: what was the range low to high? Uh,
0: I think the lowest offer I, I received was 750,000. And, uh, the highest offer I received at that time was, uh, got it
1: got it and were there like how else did you evaluate the offers were they materially different in other ways like how did you sort of scrutinize them and sort of decide which ones which one to pursue
0: so some of the offers were slightly different in the sense that uh they wanted me to stay on and help with management and the transition of the company um and then there was um uh, what do you call it? Uh, if I remember correctly, the the one that wanted me to stay on board as and and you know tra- help the transition, um, also wanted to make payments. Right? They wanted, hey, we'll pay you so much now, and then so much uh, after the transition, and then and some and so, uh, and, uh, and then there was going to be a third payment. So that one was a little bit more complicated and totally I just wasn't interested in in in, in making payments because now I'm financing their deal. Um, and so what I was looking for was somebody who could write me a check and I'm done because it wasn't that much. It wasn't like I had 30 or 40 people working for me. You know, we were a small group. We had, you know, I, I think at the at the at the high point, I had six employees. So it wasn't a big deal.
1: So you have got these three offers. One is looking to do payments over time. It sounds like the other two were more cash on the barrelhead. What, maybe how did you decide between yes. those two? Uh,
0: the way I really decided is I, I got I got uh, closer to the number I wanted. So just to let you know, I was looking to get two uh, two point five million dollars was my asking price, which I thought was a ridiculous deal for the numbers that we were doing. Right. I mean, typically when you, when you're, you know, when you are uh, selling a company, you get five or 10 times, um, you know, uh, profit and I wasn't even asking for that. I mean, cause our, you know, bottom line is I, I thought we could get $5 million and I thought at 2.5, it was a smoking deal.
1: Why is that? I mean, what was your, what were your profits against the you know, the, you, you had roughly some months, $100,000 in revenue, so you were roughly around a million in revenue. How much profit would you make after paying your six employees and paying for the federal? Uh,
0: after paying all our expenses, we were still 400000 450000 profit.
1: Got it, got it. So you figured... You know, five times is 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 a couple million bucks. Uh, right. Ten times is four million bucks. So that, right. that that was what you were thinking was a fair price. And these offers were again between seven fifty and one point two.
0: Interesting. Yes. Yes. So and so what did you go do? Ahead. Well, it's like anything else. I you know I I wasn't in a hurry. One of the things that I've learned over time because I have bought and sold a few businesses is just you just can't get attached to it. You know, and so I was, uh, I was um, very positive about getting two point five, and at the same time, I just wasn't attached to it. I figure we've, you know, we had we had uh, uh, done very little or put out very little effort, and already had three offers. I figure it wouldn't be that difficult to go and get three or four more offers it's just again i put out a little bit more work uh, and so anyway bottom line is uh, i i countered and i and i you know basically told them what i just told you which is hey you know at, at this rate you're getting a smoking deal i you know and so um, instead of coming down right away um, i came down i think i went from 2.5 to 2.2 uh, and, you know, they, they, uh, moved a little bit more towards my direction and over a period, I want to say, of uh, three weeks, we got to the point where they had come up to uh, 1.5, almost 1.6. And so I had come down, you know, I, they, uh, I had come down to, uh, uh what do you call it? Uh, to the point where either I was going to look for a different buyer or I was going to take the, uh, you know, the, the bird in the hand kind of a deal. And so what I ended up doing is I just thought about it and I ended up taking, I ended up taking the, that offer and, and, um, you know, took the money and ran.
1: Which was, which was what? 1.5 ish. Yeah. 1.5 ish. Yeah. Yeah. Got
0: it. And uh, almost 1.6. I mean, it was it was really nice. And and I just figure, you know, that there's always the possibility. That I wouldn't find another buyer. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: There is that possibility. And so I got I got 1.5 staring me in the face and. I don't have to worry about payments. And I just figure, you know what, let's just take it and go. Uh, it, it's a sure deal. Go so,
1: ahead. so what were your arguments uh, to get them them up? Did, like, well, y- you obviously made the case about your profits of 400 and the fact that th- their offers were a, t- a pittance relative to your. What other arguments did you make?
0: The other things I that uh, I argued into the deal, or and I shouldn't say argue, but I really tried to build value on the fact that a they were buying a customer list, which is ultimately. The you know the biggest and best asset of any company, that customer list, uh, if leveraged correctly, could be sold other things. And so this company that was buying us out, they were more of a full-fledged supplement company, and all of my clients had only bought one product, and so they had been untapped. As far as buying other products, buying uh, books that this company uh, sold, uh, buying online courses and all this other stuff that this company uh, was, I uh, uh, would call it better, uh, that, that was already built into their system. So I, my thinking was, if, if just 50% of my customers buy, continue to buy the ephedra, plus buy more of your stuff, you guys will have your money back in less than a year's time.
1: And how did it work out for them? Did, did they end up doing well out of it? Yeah. They, they, you know what, they, they, uh, they
0: have done exceptionally well. Uh, they're still in business. They, uh, I believe last time I talked with them, uh, there were in like 4,000 stores. So they've continued to grow their business. And I, you know, I, I didn't ask, Hey, so, you know, whatever happened to, you know, accelerator, they, uh, you know, I know that they uh, kept the name, and I don't know anything about their formulation. But you know, they've done well. It, you know, like I said, they they continue to grow their business.
1: So take us through the period of time between when you accepted the million five, almost million six for your company. When you, when you agreed on that price to the, the time the check actually showed up in the mail or the wire transfer showed up in your bank account. I mean, describe that process for us, those, those weeks or months.
0: Sure. So one of the things that I believe in is, you know, don't tell me, show me. So I asked for a, um, uh, a uh, not a retainer, not a deposit, but a good a good faith payment, right? So we had put together a contract, and upon executing that contract, uh, they were going to put up earnest money, um, and I think it was ten uh, percent. So one point, I mean, one hundred fifty thousand, and and then uh, and then the balance would be would be paid, um, you know, uh, within the terms of the agreement. And so um, that was basically it. We we put everything into um, a principles and agreement. Um, of course, the attorneys got involved, uh, and it was a pretty straightforward deal. It wasn't overly complicated. Um, I gave them, uh, you know, we we gave them all our books, so so they could review everything. We gave them access to everything that they needed, so they could see that we were for real. They checked out our merchant account. They checked out our deposits. They checked out everything, um, and that's a little weird slash scary. You know, it's kind of a thing. You know, it's one of those things that it's always weird when somebody is probing. You know, your 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 bank account, right? Uh, for lack of better terms. And so after they had done uh, their uh, their due diligence, they gave us. You know, that they, they gave us the rest of the money.
1: And so, what would have happened had they found something during that due diligence period to that one hundred and fifty grand?
0: So, depending on what they found, so that was actually part of the, uh, the part of the agreement. So, if they found something that adversely affected the company, let's just say that my numbers were off. they could um, they couldn't get out of the contract unless it was uh, what do you call it um, a uh, outright uh, Misrepresentation on my on my uh, on my behalf, right? So if I represented, hey, we're doing, you know, five hundred thousand dollars in profit, and they found out we're only doing two hundred thousand dollars in profit, uh, and, and I tried to misrepresent that, basically lie, then they could completely get out of the contract, and I had to give them all the money back. However, if they found something that was, you know, again uh, uh, different than what I had uh, showed them, but it wasn't again out of line, it wasn't. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? It, it's just, you know, part of doing business.
1: It wasn't something you found were misrepresenting. It. it was. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so then they, so we had the chance to renegotiate. So if they would have found out that, hey, instead of doing $500,000 in sale, you're, you know, you're really doing closer to 400,000 in sale. And so the company's, you know, the company isn't worth what I thought it was going to be worth. So, you know, we got to renegotiate. And that was one of the things, by the way, that I took in consideration. And that's why I wasn't asking for the top price. Of what I think the company was worth, just because it gives you that wiggle room. So if they find something that's not a hundred percent, dude, I'm giving it to you at a at a at a at a fifty percent discount or a forty percent discount to to what the market uh, will bear. They they would have to find something incredibly crazy to say, hey, we got to renegotiate. But that was part of the deal. If they, if so if they had found something that was um, uh, we call it uh, bad, we could renegotiate and. That was it. That was, uh, I think, their only caveat. If I misrepresented, they get their money back. If they found something that uh, they thought was uh, materially devaluated the deal, we could renegotiate. And, uh, but if they change their mind, then I got to keep the hundred fifty dollars
1: Got it. Did they try to renegotiate? No, they didn't. And this was a strategic, this was a, another supplements company. This. Yeah. The, yes. The, 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 got
0: it. Yes. So, so they were already selling Ephedra. This, this to them was just purchasing something uh, that they didn't have, which was an online. So it was strategic for them. They were, they were primarily uh, a retail brick and mortar space. And to them, it made a lot of sense to finally step into the online world.
1: Got it. So they got into uh, online business as a result. So, um, how did you feel when the check cleared?
0: Uh, I was elated. I mean, I didn't sleep. It was the most money I'd ever made in a day. So I did not sleep. I I, uh, <laughs> I remember it vividly. I don't think I slept for like a day or two. I just, you know, what do you do now? I, you know, uh, so a couple things, John. So n- not only did I not sleep, but I also thought about, you know what could I've done different? What could I've done better? What am you know? And then of course I'm thinking, what could, what am I going to do next? Um, and so when when you do something that is bigger than whatever you've done before, it expands your your mindset, right? I'm thinking, man, what else can I do? And and so so those are the things that were swirling in my head, and 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 it, and it took uh, it took a little time for for those uh you call it those feelings to uh kind of subside that excitement but i i literally was probably uh i want to say emotionally high for like two or three days
1: and then what happened after the high you say you started to evaluate things you might do differently um like what kinds of things might you have done if you could replay and do it all over again differently
0: I think what I I would have invested more in is uh, some kind of uh, line extension. So here I am. I'm selling an energy weight loss product. What else can I sell? Can I do uh, vitamin C? You know something else to grab a few more percentage of that customer's um, sale, right? Grow 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 each sale. So uh, that's what I looking back. I probably would have doubled doubled my business if I would have added some kind of line extension and if I would have made more offers to my existing customers. So those are the two things that I really take away that that I just I know I left probably uh, half a million dollars on the table in profits because I, I didn't pay attention to my customers. I didn't really pay attention to my list. I didn't want to grow it. I was doing so well as it was that I got lazy. Uh, I I got spoiled. Does that make sense?
1: It does. Yeah, no, for sure. And And then did you look back at the actual negotiation itself and say, man, I wish I'd, I'd done this differently about the actual sale negotiation?
0: Yes. Yes. I, you know, it's one of those things that I feel as though I chickened out. I I took the easy road. And so I'm thinking, man, I should have, I should have, I should have dug in my heels a little bit more. I should have gone, I should have gotten a couple of more offers. And if I would have gone out and gotten two or three more offers, maybe I would have sold the company for the 2.5 I was asking. Maybe it would have been two. So I feel as though I I did a disservice to myself and to my family because I didn't dig my heels in. So I have a little regret with that. It's just one of those things that that you you learn from. So I I, I tell people, look, it was like roughly a million-dollar learning lesson. Patience is really a virtue, but it was a lot of money to me at the time. It was, like I said, the most money I'd ever made in a day. And I had felt really blessed. It was one of those things, John, where everything kind of lined up. This ephedra thing uh, was uh, allowed back on the market. Sales were growing without any effort. When does that ever happen in business? Uh, and, And it just continued on this track. And so part of me thinks, you know, just be grateful because I could have screwed it up. I could have, you know, again, dug my heels in and all of a sudden maybe I don't sell it at all. And I just have to, you know, I have to you know, do something else. So that, that's kind of my thought process.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that's interesting. I think, I think there's, you know, I think if I, if I surveyed a hundred guests of this show, I think I'd have a hundred people that would say, yeah, you know, maybe there's a little part of me wonders if I'd left some money on the table. I don't think I've ever heard somebody say, yeah, no, I, I got every penny I, I had coming to <laughs> me, right? Like it just doesn't, I think that's the nature of any negotiation, right? You, you always wonder, was there another, you know, was there another Absolutely. turn that you could have, uh, could have taken? So eventually. Well, and I think,
0: yeah. and I think, I think you're right. I think that, uh, you know, people say that a good, you know, it's a good negotiation with when both parties leave slightly unsatisfied.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, for sure. For sure. Why did you put a price on your business? I mean, did you went out and said it was, you listed it at 2.5 million. Um, what was your thinking there? Why did you why did you sort of put an asking price on it?
0: Well, first of all, you have to start someplace. Um, you know, if, if you ask the buyer to make you an offer, a smart buyer is going to lowball you uh, just to test the waters. I think that every person out there in business has probably. Gotten a smoking deal because somebody said make me an offer and that person made a ridiculous offer and and they walked away with it and they're like oh yeah, um, so I felt as though I wanted to be in control and by asking, you 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 you're in control. You get to 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 go from there and like anything else, it's it's how you position it. You just can't say hey I'm asking two point five million. So my positioning statement was this is worth five million dollars. But right now, I'm only asking 2.5. And it was something along those lines. So they they understood that I realized that the company was worth more. So that that was kind of my mindset for having a set price or an asking price. I just think it was a great way to start the conversation, get the ball rolling.
1: Got it. Got it. Interesting. So what are you up to now? I mean, uh, the check is cleared. I'm assuming you, the elation of selling is, is, is finally dissipated. Uh, <laughs> what are you up to now?
0: So what, uh, what I do now, uh, primarily is I do consulting. I help companies grow their sales. That is the, the area that I find to have the most fun and passion for. And so my clients are typically business owners that, uh, you know that that are trying to take their company to a five million dollar, um, you know, to five million dollars or ten million dollars or, or wherever that. you know, my clients tend to be small small uh, businesses. Uh, the largest the largest business that I, uh, that I'm working with right now is is uh, almost thirty million dollars in revenue, but my average client is probably in the is in the three million dollar revenue range, and just helping those people grow their company. Is a lot of fun.
1: And where do we reach you? You can reach me
0: at bertmartinez.com or, you know, if you're into social media, burt Martinez is on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all those great places. But yeah, bertmartinez.com is a great place. Uh, we're revamping that website, but there's, uh, you know, you can contact me through there.
1: Bert Martinez, thanks for joining us.
0: You bet, John. It's been a pleasure.